Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So glad that we're all together today on this Zoom meeting. I bless you for being part of our church. I bless you if you're new to this church Zoom and I pray that God would bless you with the word today. I'm so grateful to be here. I, I thankful to Pastor Jackie and Pastor Wayne for the opportunity. So I just say thank you once again and allow the Lord to have his way in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirit for this word today that would bring life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've called my message this morning, People Get Ready. People get ready. It's like something's about to happen, don't you think? Most people would ask, what's that mean? People get ready. Get ready for what? Well, the answer to that is that Jesus is coming back soon. So I want to start this message using a scripture called Revelation 1.7 from the Passion. And it says, Behold, he appears within the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the people groups of the earth will weep with sorrow because of him. And so it is to be. Amen. Now, it does sound a little bit scary when it's said like that. But for the believer whose heaven and eternal destiny is in heaven, with our Lord and Saviour and with our God. That's a good news story. Amen. Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. So I am going to be using a lot of scripture today because I want to enhance the words that I'm speaking to you in these times. We've had lots of things happening in the world, a lot of things that would discourage us and make us fearful and divide us and wonder what's going on and how will we get out of this? Will it ever be the same? No, it will never be the same. I'm here to say that. Remember the word I brought to you at the beginning of the year and I was talking about the changes that were coming and that we'd had COVID last year, but not to any extent that we've had this year. But I felt like the Lord had said that we're to be people that are, uh, you know, to resist the fear, don't yield to it because many things were going to happen and it was going to challenge us. And that God was saying that he was going to challenge the church with what was happening. And it, it's come to pass, hasn't it? Haven't you felt the, the rumblings? Haven't you felt the uneasiness? Haven't you felt the, the weariness? But God is saying, I'm coming back for my bride and she's going to be a beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle. And Amen. We are that bride. We are called for such a time as this. So Ephesians 5.27 says, All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. That's the beautiful bride that God is coming back for. Now, you might be looking around at yourself saying, I don't look beautiful. I don't feel beautiful. There's been so much stress and anxiety. 
But God said that he's coming back and nothing's going to stop that. And we're to be prepared and ready for that. Amen. He loves us with an everlasting love. He'd never leave us nor forsake it. But the enemy has been around speaking into our mind and into our fears and into our doubts, trying to dig up things that says it's not happening. Where is our God? What's going on? I love God, but this is hard and, and I'm getting tired and I'm getting weary. But it will become a suddenly of Christ into this situation. The word says that darkness will increase over the whole earth. And isn't it increasing? The things that we're hearing, the, the terrible testimonies of overseas and the deaths that are building up from the famines and the floods and the typhoons and the earthquakes and, of course, the COVID. In many nations, there's been a lot of sickness and disease. But we are living in that end of age time. We are called right now. We are here. Our generation, we, our generations, our children are part of this return of God coming back to his people. We're part of that. And that's exciting that our families and ourselves, you know, will be here in this time frame to be part of the biggest harvest ever to happen in the history and knowledge of the time of the Bible or the earth. Thank you, Jesus. So there's many prophetic voices that are singing out around the world and they're combining into one great voice and they're saying, He is coming. Get ready, church. Our Lord is coming. It's not a frightening thing that He's coming because we're in the body. We are part of the army. But for the earth, it will be scary times, of course, because we've read about it, that these things would happen and they're happening. We had an earthquake in Melbourne. We're having happening with COVID in all the states of Australia. So things are happening. But Jesus will not return until that great harvest takes place. That's part of the word of God. It says that must take place before he returns in opposition to Satan and his evil ones. And so I want to go to Matthew 13 at this time, Matthew 13, 30. And we're talking about the end times of how in the Bible days, many of the things pointed to now and many of the Old Testament things pointed to the New Testament, many of the New Testament things pointed to right now, current time. So we're going to have a look at Matthew 13, 30. Everyone got that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know I'm looking it up on here and it'll be on the screen for you to see. But I love the word of God. I love to read it out aloud so that we hear it because it says that faith comes by hearing the word. So 30 says, this is talking about the tares and the wheat. And we've heard this story before in Matthew about the fields being sowed and then when the time was coming, when the farmers' helpers were out there looking around, they could see that there was weeds coming up and they're saying, Lord, Master, we only planted the seeds that you asked us to plant and yet there's these weeds coming up, these tares and the Master said, yes, someone else sowed those seeds. 
Someone else has planted those things here. And they said, well, we get rid of them because, you know, they're crowding out the good crop that's growing. And he said, no, because the wisdom is that those two things will grow together. But when the time to harvest comes, we will pull out the tares and they will be burnt up in a fire. And then we will reap the harvest. And that's what it says here in Matthew 13.30. You must allow them both to grow together until the time of harvest. At that time, I'll tell my harvesters to make sure they gather the weeds first and tie them in all in bundles to be burned. Then they will harvest the wheat and put it into my barn. And that's what he's talking about right now, about this great harvest that's coming. And there is a few scriptures as well that talk about reaping and sowing that God is not mocked, which is in Galatians 6, 9. I don't know that I'll have it up there, but it is there. And I'm just going to condense it to give you an idea of some of the things that the word says that fit into this time and season. It says that God is not mocked. What you reap, you will sow. And he's saying that the enemy is sowing so much evil and hatred and division and sickness and despair and destruction and distraction into the world at this time, into the harvest field. And yet God has sowed the good seed, the, the good news of the gospel. And it came through you. It comes through God's people. Over the years that you've been Christians, since you become a, a follower of Christ, you have found that that good news has helped you brought life to you in your house, given you the, the strength to carry on. It's given you the equipping of the word and the armor of God and the equipping of the strength, the boldness and the courageousness to, to do what we're called to do. And it says at that time, and he's speaking to us, it says, don't get disheartened. Don't get weary. Don't grow so weary that you lose all your strength because you're planting the good seed and that good seed, the results are coming. Hallelujah. The results are coming. There's some seed I planted 35 years ago and there's some seeds my mother planted 70 years ago and they haven't come to pass yet, but they're going to come in this great harvest. They are going to come to pass because God's word says that. Amen. Revelations 14, 14 to 15 says, and I'm reading this from the Passion, but there will be other scriptures that will say the NIV or the NLT because they that version of it was explaining the word that I had, so I used it. But the Passion, I love the Passion rendition because it's from the Aramaic, which is the 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 oldest Hebrew language. So it has more of an understanding of the days that these happened. And it says in Revelation 14, 14 to 15, I looked and behold, I saw a white cloud and sitting upon it was one like the son of man wearing a golden crown and holding a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, shouting out to the one sitting upon the cloud, take your sickle and reap for the time of reaping the harvest has come and the harvest of the earth is ripe. Amen. It is ripe in the earth. You know, 
God never told us to pray for the harvest. He told us to pray for the laborers because the laborers are few. And this is the call to the body of Christ now. We have been battered emotionally, mentally, physically and spiritually. And yet God's call is now for us to dust it off, step up, remind ourselves who we are in Christ, remind ourselves who he is in us. We have the fullness of the Godhead. We have the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have the Christ that is victorious and defeated the enemy and the hordes of hell. He rose from the third day and sits at the right-hand side of the Father. It's because of them that we have an earth today still. It's because of them that we are able to get saved because the Israelites turned away from the things of God. They turned to their idols. They turned to other ways of doing things. And God would turn his face. He would lift his hands off the blessing of them. And then it came to a place, as we know, further on down in our story, where we came in. So we are his people for such a time as this. And you'll hear me say that a number of times because it's the truth. Many throughout the Bible rose up to fulfill their part. You know, if people didn't play their part of the body, we're all different and we all fit together to make the one body, the bride. And every part is important. Doesn't matter what position, placement, every part is important to the kingdom and we need one another. And as we go from the beginning of the Old Testament right through to the end, even to our day, there is a part to play for every believer in that journey to bring in that great harvest. You know, there was many that rose up to fulfill their part and didn't see the part that we're seeing. We're in this day that they longed to see, saw it in the future, saw it in their dreams, saw it in their hearts for their God. But we're living in those days. Hallelujah. We're living there. And it's not easy. Every generation or every move of God, it's not easy. But know that God is with us and he is against all those that are against us. So those that rose up and did their part, I'm going to name some of them. Abraham, Moses, David, Samuel, Daniel, Ruth, Esther. Esther 4.14 is that saying that, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. We are called kings and priests of the kingdom. We are in royal position. It is time to dust your crown off and put it back where it belongs, not in the cupboard, but on your head and to stand upright. Esther did. She knew that to go before the king without permission meant her life. But who else had a position that God had strategically planned? The love of his life went before him and he allowed her. Others wanted her to be killed because it was against the law. But he said, come, my queen. And she was able to bring about the, re, the salvation of the Israelites at that time so that they were to go on and be the nation that they are. And then you have others like Ezekiel, Isaiah and Amos, you know, Daniel, mighty men of God that stood in the gap and they had so many things happen in their lives and yet they were steadfast and true to be the men of God that they were called to be. Without them, we would never know that Samuel was Samuel's mum. 
prayed for a child and then told the Lord, if you give me one, and she got blessed by the priest even though he thought she was drunk, and yet said, if you bless me with a child, I'll give him back to you, Lord. I'll give him back to you to serve your kingdom. That's the mother's and father's heart for their children, that they will serve the kingdom and they will be who they're called to be in every season that they will stand mighty as warriors. And she did that. And, you know, because she was such a faithful woman and so truthful and brought him back to Eli to be raised in the synagogue, that God blessed her with six more babes. Wow. She reaped a harvest. Amen. And then we go into the New Testament. And without those in the Old Testament leading the way, pointing the way to the New Testament, the plan and the promise would not have succeeded. We needed John the Baptist to be born. And Mary, who as a child agreed and bowed before God and said, Be it unto me, Lord, be it unto me, and became the mother of Jesus. And then Jesus discipled the 12 who became apostles. And then Paul, the apostle Paul, that was called by God to be an apostle. Peter, John and James, they all left a mark on this world which came from the promises and the word that had been passed down generationally to them. And they continued to stand. But their stand in this generation had something more significant because back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon most people. But in the New Testament, that's where Jesus brought in something new that empowered the disciples in that time. And so we read in the book of Acts 1.8. Hallelujah. Don't you love the word? Don't you love it? Aren't you excited to hear the good news of God? It said that Jesus said to them, But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power, fire from heaven, from the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the fire. Hallelujah. Are we not needing that baptism of the fire to to burn off the dross, the heaviness of the day, the months and the years that we've experienced, burn it off and allow the pure gold of God to come forth out of us. Amen, amen, amen. And in Acts 2, 2 to 4, amen. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired with the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit, to speak in languages that they had never learnt. God was equipping them for the day. That was their day. That was a day when God was to bring in the Gentiles in to the kingdom of God. The Jews had murdered Christ, turned their ways to the uh, Sadducees and the Sadducees, you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the and the rule of the Romans. All were corrupt at that time and put so many hard tasks upon people. 
And Jesus come meek and mild. You know, he was a mighty man, a mighty man, full of compassion and love. And 40 days in the wilderness brought the baptism of the Holy Spirit on him. And those disciples surrounded him. And everywhere they went with him, it was just so much excitement to see what God's power was doing in the lives of people, setting them free, releasing the prisoners from demonics. It was healing the sick, making blind eyes see, deaf ears hear, lepers cleanse. Hallelujah. You know, raising the dead. My God, these things happen once in a blue moon. And they knew about it through generation talking and passing of the laws and the things that happened to the patriarchs. But it was in their days at this time, they were seeing something with their natural eyes. They were seeing the goodness of God being portrayed through Christ. But as we are as humans, we have this thinking about what that means and we work out we're going to have this kingdom, we're going to be kings and queens in the earth and Jesus is going to be the top dog and we're all going to be part of that because look what he can do. And then he even sends them out and says, you can do this. And they went out there and they did these things because they had the faith from seeing what Christ did. But there was many times that they failed and got fearful, even though they were with the Messiah, the Christ. Even though they lived with him and heard him and watched him and did things that he did, there were still places where their faith hadn't grown. You know, we know that where Peter denied because of the fear of dying and everyone scattered. That was all part of the plan to get them out of that mental thinking, get out of that intellectual type of spirituality that was already happening with the Pharisees and the Sadducees it was now going to be the grace of God and that's what Jesus did it was loving kindness that led people to repentance it was the gifts of healing that led people to repentance we serve a mighty God be encouraged of how good our God is and what the worth and value of him in our life and what we are to him hallelujah mighty men and women picked up the baton from those days, we know that all those messages that came out of the New Testament from Paul, he wasn't having a party, he wasn't riding in a coach, he wasn't lapped of luxury. He went to those places at times, but more times he was getting stoned to death, getting beaten, lashes of 39 plus, prisoned, shipwrecked, turned away from. All the people that knew him as a Sadducee and the plans they had for him couldn't believe what was going on with this man. He's gone mad, they said, gone mad. And Paul's retort was, everything I've learned, I counted as dung. Since from the time I've met Jesus the Messiah, I know the truth and it set me free. <laughs> such wonderful words and such wonder and, and miraculous deliverances and healings and and what happened it provoked people to jealousy straight away their thoughts were we've got to get rid of him he's causing us a problem we're not going to have position if he stays people are going to lift him up above us and then it went to we've got to kill him that's it it's the only way to get rid of this problem instead of provoking them to what 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 must we do to be like him and follow after him. It provoked their fear of losing their position, losing the power, authority and the money that they corruptly were getting. That's what's happening in our day, people. 
That's what's happening in all levels of influence, in all hierarchy, on the seven mountains, the spheres, you know, those seven places that Bible talks about, those influence places, they are being led by a demonic spiritual thing that would draw them for power, position and greed. And the Lord knows that and he's had enough of it. So out of that, out of the good news in each, every generation, as it progressed to where we are, there were mighty men and women that stood up. We had Luther and Muller, Wesley and Booth, Edwards and Whitfield, Wigglesworth and John G. Lake, Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, Mariah Etta Woodward, Catherine Kuhlman, A.A. Allen, Billy Sunday, William Schembach, William Branham, Billy Graham, Lester Sumrall, Kenneth Hagen, so many names. And right to now, even Yongi Cho, who just passed away recently, they took that baton that Paul and Peter and John and those disciples took from the Old Testament people that came through the lineage of um, the teaching of the Torah. And then they took it that it was meant for their time. And then Jesus came and they readily stepped up to the plate with him. They still had to learn a few things, of course, as we all do when we come into the kingdom. Some people come in like Paul. He got hit and he was bang. I'm a God person. That's the end of it. And everyone wanted to kill him because he was a killer of the Christians. But he got radically saved. And he was called for such a time as that because he was like a Moses. Moses was strategically planned to be in the land in, at that time when they were going to murder the babies and to be hidden and be found by Pharaoh's daughter and to be raised in the kingship of Pharaoh to learn all the ways of that you could learn the highest education that anyone could have and privileges. But the stirring in his heart called him back to the real call on his life. But in that place, he had to do 40 years in the wilderness to come undo what he'd learnt. Like Paul said, I, I count it all done. But Moses didn't have the understanding that Paul had because he didn't have Jesus yet where Paul did have Jesus. So there's a difference in that sense, but they were set apart and called upon at the right timing. And Paul's letters are, are from prison. You know, they're from such hateful places and, and, you know, and then there's whispers and places of love and unity. But he had to prove himself because people were fearful of him. But he radically changed. And some people do radically change. I dragged my feet. I have to admit that. I had a lot of trauma and, and, and I was scared, even though I knew the touch of God had touched my heart and I knew that, that God loved me, there were still places in me where I had to change that place for truth, to be honest, in my life. So I thank you, Lord, for doing that for me. And so we go further along. They were, you know, they stood on the shoulders of the generals of the past and we have that available to us today. We can stand on those shoulders, but we can also stand on Jesus, stand in Jesus, moved by the Holy Spirit. We have the fire of the Holy Spirit. We have the indwelling. We have the fullness of Christ in us. If we believe it, we have it here. It's been given to us. God has given it to us through his Son. 
and it's grab, grabbing the fullness of that understanding to walk in the authority, excuse me, for these days. We are called for such a time as this. They faced opposition. These people that I just spoke about in the last, you know, 100 years leading up to now and still are facing opposition, death threats, beating, beatings, destroying of their names, livelihoods, loved ones, and even killed like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, even killed like in the China underground church that are being martyred for not renouncing Jesus, even in Afghanistan where they're being killed because they have found Yeshua, Isa, the true Christ, and won't recant from it because they've found the truth and the truth has set them free. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.